Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Getting through that game does not end the support that we'll we'll have available to our players. It's it's ongoing. So you know that's that'll be a, a point of emphasis this week as well. And um, because again, as we said from the start, people deal with things in different ways. So we'll we'll support them and continue to do so. That's Bills head coach Sean McDermott. He will speak to the media at noon today. That was from his Monday Zoom call with the media. This. A couple of days ago, the Bills are on the practice field at 12.30. They have a game this week, of course, against the Miami Dolphins right here at Highmark Stadium. That's where I am today. Sneaky Joe DiBiase is in our Amherst studios. We'll have an update on practice, injuries, all that today. Follow us along, WGR550.com, at Sal Sports on Twitter as well. The Kansas City Chiefs do not play this week. They have a bye. They were awarded, rewarded, the number one seed, however you want to look at it, after everything that happened over the last couple of weeks. But the league also said... If the two teams play, the Bills and the Chiefs, it will be at a neutral site, yet to be officially determined. However, Bob Fesco, who is a host of Fesco in the Morning on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, our Odyssey sister station, had a lot to say on what he's learned about that today, and he joins us on the West Her Hotline. Hi, Bob. It's Sal and Joe. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Before I get into any of this... I want to tell you, don't let Josh Klingler fool you. He definitely pays attention to the drama of page six in the entertainment news. Oh, absolutely does. Hmm. No, there's no question about it. He knows every single actor and actress of who they're dating, who they used to date, and who they may be dating in the future. He is so tuned into that. <laughs> I know. I, I listened to your segment this morning because I was so interested in the thing you had to say, and you guys talked about that, and I said, no, no, I know, I know Josh. I know Josh is totally into that. But let's get into what you said today. Um you 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 tweeted out uh, a tease about it. I listened to the segment. We've been talking about it. What do you know about the Bills and Chiefs and where an AFC Championship neutral site game would be played if the two teams met? Well, first of all, it, it's good to know a Twitter tease still works these days. That's fantastic. <laughs> it does, yeah. um, but but secondly, from what I've been told, it, it looks like they're they're leaning towards Atlanta for this one, and and New Orleans kind of as a backup right now. And what I heard yesterday from from somebody that that was a high ranking official in the league uh, is that it, it's it's really there's not many options, quite honestly, when you look at it. Like all teams that are in the postseason right now have had their home stadiums eliminated from contention because just in case something should happen and there's a game there, whatever the case may be. So they've eliminated like 14 teams right from the jump. And then you have a bunch of stadiums that already have events booked that weekend, which I put my tinfoil hat on. I'm like, if you're an NFL venue, how are you booking things on championship weekend? You don't know what's going to happen. And these are like big volleyball tournaments or something like that. In Atlanta, there's like a monster truck in Houston. And Detroit, obviously, is getting the new turf, as, as everybody talked about so you've eliminated like 17 stadiums right from the jump plus you've eliminated us and we've eliminated you so you've got 19 stadiums now that essentially that you've eliminated and so i from what i've understand there's been like a line drawn in the sand basically buffalo is saying 
we're not going west, and the Chiefs are saying, well, we're not going east. And so you've got this situation of, of two franchises, and God love both of them because, quite frankly, Sal, I would rather see this game played in Buffalo with the Chiefs than in a neutral site because I think it's going to suck for everybody involved because Buffalo and Kansas City are two best environments in all the NFL, and we're, we're cheating one of our fan bases potentially out of hosting this game. And, and quite honestly, if it's you guys that are hosting this game, it would suck for you because you haven't had one of these in 30 years or whatever it's been. Hmm. So I, I think playing in, in, in the neutral site is just an awful, awful decision, especially when there is a rule on the rule books that stated in a situation like this, well, we, we go based on winning percentage. So Atlanta appears to be the one that like everybody can agree on. It's like seven miles maybe closer to Buffalo or closer to us, but basically it's equidistance, you know, between the two cities and it seems to be a city that like everybody can kind of agree on to go to. So Atlanta seems to be the leader in the clubhouse right now with all of that, but taking it away from either Kansas City or Buffalo is just a shame because there aren't many venues like ours anymore that exist with fans like ours that exist that are passionate, blue-collar, run-through-fire, barbecue, drink-to-your-brains-fall-out type of fan bases, and we're cheating one of those fan bases potentially on the opportunity to have a a home championship game. Is having it in a dome... Is that is that a big deal? Like, I mean, taking the weather elements out of it? Because, as you said, it's limited options. But if the options did came down to outdoor stadiums, even maybe colder weather cities, would the league rather shy away from that or just say, no, we'll do whatever we need to do? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think that necessarily matters per se for this game. But what I think it does, and I heard this yesterday, that – I was told it's inevitable that these championship games end up going to to neutral sites in the future because they can really? make more money, I guess, off hmm. of this. Yeah, they're, they're talking. They said I was told inevitable was the word that I used. They're thinking about two potential mini Super Bowls and one obvious Super Bowl where the league can, can continue to make these money. And you look at it from a fan perspective, like what's the incentive then if you're in Kansas City or Buffalo to buy the season tickets if you're not going to get the championship game or the playoff game, right? Like you can't take that away. I think the NFL is is starting to develop that Midas touch, and they're going to realize at the end of the day maybe touching everything and turning it into money wasn't the best thing for this league because I still think you have to include the fans in all this. My solution was pretty simple. Buffalo and Kansas City should just get together and say, screw this, we're flipping a coin. They made, they made Cincinnati and Baltimore do it you know, for, for that game. Why can't we do it for this? This game is so much better when it's played in the home venue. Yeah, and I, I do like, I like the fan atmosphere part of it. I guess... Like why? Why do you think the league really felt the need to do this? Did, did it? Because for us, we were talking about throughout that whole week. Like, how do you go about this? This has never happened. The NFL has not had a game canceled since 1930. Um, and how do you operate with it? And you know, there were some fans wanted to see the Chief game canceled outright, which seemed preposterous. And you would have a lot of you know uh, scenarios like that that would never happen. I guess. Were you surprised that this was approved and that that the league even thought to drum this up in the first place? Well, no, I'm not surprised at anything. I think they saw probably dollar signs and an opportunity to kind of float a test balloon to see if this works and if it goes over well and the venue's full and it's 50-50 like a college playoff game or something like that. Maybe the league goes, see, we're on to something here. We could do this at neutral sites and put this up for the bidding. So I think the league kind of sneakily behind the scenes is going, this is a great test balloon to see how this goes over and to see if this is something that we could potentially do permanently to make even more money. Because, you know, one of the big reasons they're expanding globally is because they feel like they're tapped out in the United States. 
this gives them another revenue stream that they didn't have now in the United States that they can get a, get a test run on and say, well, we just had to reschedule that game at a neutral site because, you know, of, of what happened. And, and I think they reacted quickly. I think they reacted to a lot of social media looking at that. I was told by, by one person around the league, they, they saw Twitter and what Twitter was saying and they panicked and they, they reacted to that. I'm like, God, the league can't be reacting to social media and stuff like that. But those are the feelings that people, you know, in the league are having right now about this. And I would imagine people in Buffalo in, in their organization are probably as upset as the chiefs organization is right now, that this thing is going to be potentially played at a neutral site. Bob, um, Let's take a look at the Chiefs themselves and, you know, mm-hmm. coming into the playoffs here. Are, we, we look at them from the outside and like, oh, my God, this team is such a machine. But at the same time, they've had their struggles with teams they shouldn't have their struggles with towards the end of the year. I mean, you could say that about the Bills. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, winning the game is the most important. They, you know, Miami came here in a cold weather situation, almost beat them. But what what are we seeing from the Chiefs right now? Is it this team that's just this unstoppable force on offense? Or is it a team that, man, you you really can kind of have a chance to beat this team because they're not always playing their A game. And when that happens, they're very vulnerable. Yeah, they are. And, and the reason that they, they've seen kind of, I guess, vulnerable over the last couple of weeks, even though that game against the Raiders was like the perfect game, they finally put like everything together. And for all, mm-hmm. you know, all of us fans watching that game, we're like, all right, that's the perfect. All right. Let's With a lot of help from the Raiders, I may say, Bob. Yeah, no doubt. No, no, no doubt about it. <laughs> but, but the Chiefs' biggest, biggest Achilles heel is the, the turnovers. If they don't turn the ball over, they're not going to lose a football game. I mean, that that's ultimately when you see, like, why did they lose a 27-point lead to Denver or Patrick Mahomes through three interceptions? Why did they almost lose a game to Houston? There were turnovers in that game as well. So if they don't turn the football over, I don't have any concerns about it. But I do have concerns. If we have to play the, the, the Bills in Atlanta – and Patrick Mahomes throws an interception, I don't like their chances of winning that game because Buffalo's a great football team. They're going to be able to capitalize on that. They were able to hold off some of these bottom feeders, you know, because they're not good football teams. But when you turn the ball over, and they had a propensity to do that late in the season, that gets you in trouble. And I think that's been the biggest Achilles heel for them is that they, they turn the football over at inopportune times and let teams hang around. You do that in the playoffs, maybe we're not talking about a neutral site game. One one thing they do have going into the playoffs, I mean, Kadarius Tony is not yet playing like a large amount of snaps, but actually I saw something where was it? Yeah, Nate Tice this morning from the Athletic tweeted the 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 list of the re- top 10 receivers in the league that touched the ball on the highest percentage of their snaps and Kadarius Tony was ninth in the NFL, basically the same number as Stefan Diggs. So, I I wonder um it, Bob, is he at a point where is he becoming the player the Chiefs imagined when they traded for him now that he's kind of stayed healthy for the last couple of weeks? I think he was one of these guys that they they envisioned, like, if we get anything out of him this year, cool. We're getting him for next year. This was like one of those preemptive Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a free agent. McCole Hardman's going to be a free agent. And the price of wide receivers on the free agent market, I don't know if you look around, has gone up exponentially since we sat here a year ago. And so the Chiefs looked at it as more of a, a move for the future to have a guy on a rookie contract, right, for the next couple of years so they didn't have to break the bank in the wide receiver market. Anything he gives you this year, I feel like it's gravy. And when he's healthy, he has been a pretty pretty big part of what they want to do out there. And and it's somebody that you don't really have much tape on either in a Chiefs uniform because he's only played a handful of games. And so I think he could be a sneaky weapon for them in the postseason, yeah. Bob, can they run the ball consistently well enough? I mean, they, they we know what they can do in the passing game. And this is a question we've been asking in Buffalo. And obviously Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really has kind of disappeared from, from what they do. But can they run the ball well enough, consistently enough, through two two games in January to get to the Super Bowl? 
I, I think the better question, Sal, is will Andy Reid allow them to run the ball? That's and, a great and that's question what it comes point, yeah. To. Thank you. I think what, what really what really happens is that they can run the ball well, but they get so caught up in wanting to toss the ball around. I mean, when you got Travis Kelsey and Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith-Schuster and you know, MVS, if he wants to go up for a ball, he's, he can be pretty good at times, too. But I, I think sometimes they, they – and it's been this way for years. They, they forget about the running game, and they'll try to tell you, oh, the screen game, blah, blah, blah. No, sometimes you just got to man up and, and run that football. And I, I don't know the answer to that question because I, I look at it and I say, I think they can run the football, but there's not a huge sample size, right, whether or not – because they don't do it a lot. And I know when they get into third and one situations, I'm pooping my pants because I don't think they can get third and one. I'd rather have third and 18 for this team than third and one <laughs> because third and one is so hard to convert for them at times. We, we've heard that same thing in Buffalo. And yeah. you know what I'll tell you? Yeah. I think, I think Joe, when, when I watch this team, do, do, you know what I always think about is it's third and six, it's third and seven. Mahomes is going to scramble. It's not, he's not Josh. But, oh, right. my God, Bob, like, the guy just seems to get every first down when it's third and long and teams are just, like, scrambling around. He says, I'm just going to run left, run right, run up the middle, and slide for a first. He, he, is, he is the best at rushing the football when – he's not Josh Allen, but if it's third and six, he's getting you seven yards. You just know that. He is so calculated at what he does and when he runs the football, knows exactly where he needs to go. And that's something he learned from Alex Smith. I mean, Alex Smith was a great runner, too, and a great uh, protector of his body. You know, he knew when to get out of bounds, when to slide, didn't have to go for the extra yards. And, and that's something that Patrick Mahomes has adopted from Alex Smith, that he just knows how to run. And when you see him take off, the odds are pretty good that he's picking up that first down. And it is a backbreaker, too. I mean, we've all been in those situations where it's third long, and whether it's Allen or whether it's Mahomes gets out and gets that first down, and that other team is just so deflated. It's such a backbreaking play. All right, so one other benefit the Chiefs have of being the one seed. I know new, uh, home field in the championship game against the Bills wouldn't be there, but free win this week, and then they avoid having to play the Bills or the Bengals. And for just conversation sake here i'm gonna assume the bills and Bengals get through this week right would in your mind the chargers or the jaguars be a more challenging matchup for the chiefs in round two i hate the chargers so much and they play the chiefs so well and and so i i think that's a scary one because it's a division foe you know and it's the third time you're facing them and of all the division teams over the years the chargers have played the chiefs great i mean there's been overtime games last second wins you know interceptions returned for 99 yards the seal games i mean like They've been crazy, crazy games. I don't want to see the Chargers rolling in here in the Kansas City just because we've seen them, their divisional team. They feel like they can beat Kansas City and hang with Kansas City. And Jacksonville's still new on the block. Even though, hey, they're playing some really good football right now. They played the Chiefs close you know, earlier in the year. I, I still would rather see Jacksonville than, than the Chargers rolling into town. All right, what about if, since he doesn't get through, the Ravens, they have the third lowest points per game scored against their defense. They're playing well. We know that. They don't score a ton on offense, but obviously the Lamar factor. What are the Ravens' chances, especially if Lamar plays, to go to Kansas City? How would you see that? Yeah, I, I, I don't like the Ravens' chances in that one. And I don't know if Lamar is going to play. They say he may not even play this yeah. weekend, right? Agreed. And so is, yeah. is, is Lamar hurt or is Lamar taking out an insurance policy on himself? Seeing what happened mm. you know, with Kyler Murray and hurting that knee at the end of the season. And now he's got no contract at the end of this year. If I'm Lamar right now and, and, and looking around the league, 
I'm thinking, you know what, man, not playing. I'm good. I'm going to sit this one out, and I'm going to take my chances in the offseason because if he plays now and gets hurt, he doesn't have that long-term deal from Baltimore. He's got no deal. You shred a knee, you're out for an entire calendar year. I mean, Lamar's thinking business here, and I don't blame him. Hey, Bob, thanks for joining us, but one quick question on the neutral site game before I let you go. I don't. I doubt you know the answer to this, but maybe you do. I'll ask. How would they distribute tickets? Just basically go 50-50 and to the, each team gets the, a certain side, like a SEC championship game? I, I, that, that's the, the question. If I got that question once from season ticket holders over the last week, I've got it a thousand right. times. <laughs> Everybody wants to know. And, and like, I don't know how many season ticket holders each team has. I said roughly maybe 30,000 apiece. Maybe it's 40,000 seats. I don't know, you know what the number is for season ticket holders in both Kansas City and Buffalo. But how do you Buffalo, do I believe, we're up to 60,000. Yeah, I think it's, it's the maximum. It's a, it's a big number. Oh, six, so yeah. 60,000 season ticket holders in Buffalo yeah. alone. Yeah, you're, you're, somebody's getting the shaft, right? And, and that's another thing that sucks about all this, is that people buy season tickets because they know that they can get the playoff games. Now you're going to take the playoff game. Why am I going to buy those season tickets going forward? I can pick and choose games that I truly want to go to. Bob, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it, especially on short notice. Good stuff this morning, and keep us updated on anything else you hear on the neutral site possibility. But obviously, we got a couple of weeks before we get to that point. Thanks, man. You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Bob Fesco. He is the host of Fesco in the morning on 610 in Kansas City. That's our Odyssey sister station with uh, Josh Klingler, who's on the sidelines. You know... Joe, I always say this, like, we look at Kansas City, I think, yeah, of course, they've struggled with some teams, Mm -hmm. but it's like, come on, it's Kansas City, they're so good. If you go to Kansas City and listen, like, there are holes and warts that they will tell you about that they can be had with. Yeah, they, I mean, it's been weird how close they've played a lot of these, these, I mean, the Texans one especially, like, how did that happen? Um, I, though... I'm just as terrified as I ever have been of them. I mean, to me, yeah. they are. They're still Mahomes. They're Andy Reid, and Kelsey looks unstoppable. Um, Kelsey, I think there was a couple games down the stretch where he got limited a little bit. And I do, after watching their last like three games, almost in full. I mean, Tony is. He's got. He strikes that similar fear into you that Tyreek Hill does. Not to the same degree, obviously, but just a guy that he catches the ball anywhere on the field and you're afraid he could take it to the house. I mean, his hamstrings have to hold together, which has not happened in his career. But for now, that guy is healthy. And, I mean, he he maybe equalizes um, at receiver. He, he kind of you know brings them up to speed with where the, the Bengals are. Because the Bengals, to me, have more threatening weapons when you think about a Bills matchup just with Chase and Higgins and Boyd. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of been similar to the Bills this year of it's Kelsey and then it's everybody else. Like, Juju's had a nice year and Matt Veldis-Scantling's had a game here and there, but it's for the mm-hmm. most part been inconsistent behind Kelsey. And if Tony is able to show up in the playoffs and be what they thought he was going to be when they traded for him, I think that's, that's an added weapon that is uh, going to make them even harder. Well, it's been a lot of Jarek McKinnon, too, catching passes now. That's weird. That guy caught, what, was it nine touchdowns this year at running back? I mean, he is, yeah, he is, he's just basically like a flex option, right? I mean, that's what he is. We t- I'm not talking fantasy. I'm talking about no, right. yeah. what he can do, you know, out of the running back spot. It's play the slots, split out wide. He He's yeah. more of a pass catcher. He's what I think the Bills wanted J.D. McKissick to be when they... Yeah. Agreed to terms with him. He caught 56 passes for 512 yards, and I, yeah. I, he tied the NFL record for receiving touchdowns in a year by a running back. He had nine receiving touchdowns. 
He also helped me win my fantasy league, Joe. Just want you to know that. <laughs> okay, that's why Sal is it had to bring up Jerry McKinnon. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, no, the trophy's been, coming home. First time in like fifteen years, man. Did you bef- as Ooh, we right. had to break here? Did you watch any of the Ravens Bengals game last weekend? I watched almost none of it. I was more okay. I was more glued to that that. Have you looked at the box game. score from that game? I have not. I want you to do that in the break, okay? Okay. Go look at the box score from that game. Look at the stats. Let's talk about it when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.